Welcome to OAC Vancouver's podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We believe that Jesus is needed and relevant for people in Vancouver today. The message of God's love and promise of wholeness was destined to be experienced within a faith community that worships, studies scripture, and prays together. We warmly welcome you to journey with us towards greater connection, purpose, and peace. We'll be sharing our recorded services and conversations with health and wellness experts. Enjoy. So for anyone who is not watching this message, but is going to be listening to it only on podcast, this is going to be a bit confusing. It's going to sound like a bit of a crazy person just talking to themselves because we have very similar voices. It was only my grandmother, surprisingly, that could tell our voices apart on the phone. Even our own mother couldn't tell the difference. And in high school, when you know, back in the days, you didn't have cell phones. They were phones attached to cords and cables to the wall. And we had one of them. And we had one to share. So sometimes you'd get on the phone with a very long-winded friend, and we would just casually pass the phone over, and they would never yep. know that their oh, conversational okay. companion had switched. Yeah. Yeah, that went on for hours. We had a very chatty friend, and that was maybe one of the, the better pranks that we leveraged and took advantage of our t- our twinness. Well, um, as twins, we often get asked a common set of questions. <laughs> People want to know, do you like being a twin? Do you like all the same things? Do you always get along? And can you read each other's minds? And so let's settle their curiosity. What's the answer? Yes and no, yes and no, yes and no, and sometimes. Um, You see, we don't have any other siblings, no other brothers or sisters. So this is the only relationship we know. We don't have an older or younger sibling to compare it to. Um, To be honest, I didn't really like being constantly compared growing up. People were always looking for a way to distinguish us, um, especially when we were younger and looked more alike. Uh, They were always trying to figure out who is who and looking for that little clue. So you're constantly under a microscope, people trying to figure out, well, who's taller, who's smarter, who's prettier, who's, you know, whatever, better at fill in the blanks. Um, and that that constant comparison can create a bit of pressure. So that part of being a twin, I didn't really like. But one of the nice things about being a twin is you kind of have a built-in companion from birth. Uh, Rhoda often jokes that we went from womb mates to roommates. Um, it's not I, a joke. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. We did live together after we left home twice and survived. Um, my sister was my ch- primary childhood companion and playmate and still remains a close confidant to this day. And we know this is not something extra special, just twin share. Many siblings will report this special closeness or bond um, even closer, you know, than than any than anyone else would experience. Some siblings would even call their sister or brother their best friend. Would we? Are we? I don't know. Hmm. It's true that sometimes that forced closeness was a bit stifling. And I remember one day after school, we grew up in a very rural um, part of the South Okanagan, so our bus would stop at the highway. But we had like a quarter mile dirt road to get to our house. And you just simply said, now, today you were going to walk 
ahead of me or behind me, but you are not walking beside me. I cannot stand to be in your presence one more minute. And of course, I was like taken aback, but then I was like, light bulb moment. This is going to be a fun game as I both chased her when she tried to go ahead or like stood in front of her when she tried to hang back. And I was just testing how much I could escalate that level of frustration. Yeah, maybe I am the evil twin. Yeah, in moments like those, I wasn't a fan of having a, a stunt double, but... Yeah. Even though the twins are biologically identical clones, essentially, we do have individual personalities and interests and preference. In fact, I have a theory after seeing a lot of stories about twins that were separated at birth and, and they were so alike and same toothpaste, same job. They named their kids the same name. I started this theory that perhaps if we had been separated at birth, sometimes a secret wish of mine, that we we would be more similar today because we wouldn't have been constantly fighting against all of our natural tendencies and our natural preferences, trying hard to be unique individuals. Interesting point. Never thought of that. Because we share... That's why you're the smarter one. Maybe. Because we share so many similarities, the scrutiny of constant comparison tends to be amplified. Even the question, who is older, which is me, by the way, tends to be a measure of rank. Whether it's our academic achievements, our, any aesthetic changes, or personal milestones, twins often feel this rivalry uh, enhanced, this inadequacy from being under this super laser focus of tr others trying to find distinctions between us. Yeah, but I'm sure that some of the other siblings here can probably relate. Some of you may have had a a brother or sister where you felt this constant comparison with and probably a friction that developed this tension that threatens what should be a close bond between siblings. And that's nothing new under the sun. Sibling rivalry is right there from our origin story in the first pages of Genesis where the first children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, have a pretty severe sibling rivalry to the point that Cain kills his brother. I mean, this kind of challenges the idea that gets thrown out there that blood is thicker than water. On more than, than one occasion, I felt that tension between supporting my sister versus a friend with a grievance or disagreement. And there was times I would definitely get jealous of any time and attention that she got from our mutual friends. In fact, the four months she spent in Germany on an exchange were like the best four months of my youth because I got all of the attention and time and love from my, our parents. And I always thought she was the favorite anyways. Uh, the debate about which bond is stronger, blood versus water, has been the subject of several experiments. And it was even featured uh, as the premise for a season of Survivor, which tested whether the loyalty of blood relations or family members would be stronger than that of friendships and individual alliances. Yeah, uh, you know, there's other wisdom in the Bible that would weigh in on this debate of blood versus water. 
one of the wisdoms of Proverbs says that it's a friend who loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. Now, at first, when I was looking at that, I was tempted to interpret, well, yes, this explains why you were born was just to cause me trouble. But that was, you know, I went to seminary and I figured this out how to properly interpret scripture. And this is not how to do it. You aren't really brothers and sisters aren't really born to cause us trouble to create adverse adversity. Instead, this means that um, the wisdom says brothers and sisters are there to help each other in times of trouble, to help us get through difficult times, to be that kind of built in support network somebody who is a peer and can lend that that support. And I think about some of the stories in scripture about sibling rivalry that really was overcome by family loyalty. So there's Joseph, whose brothers, he was one of the younger ones, and his brothers sold him off into slavery. And he had a, a really, you know, a lot of ups and downs, but he everything from like being in prison to finally God elevating him to being governor over Egypt. And it was when he confronted his brothers coming and famine, needing food, that blood proved thicker or stronger than water because he really saved their lives, giving them an extra measure of grain. He, he had their fate in his hands, and yet grace and the familial loyalty won out. And then, of course, there's Miriam, who was the older sister of Moses. I mean, she really saved his life because mom put him in a little reed basket to hide him from, you know, the genocide that was happening. But this little girl risked her life to be literally his guardian angel and kind of watch where the basket would go, that no animals would attack it. And then when the princess found baby Moses, you know, she was the one to connect him to his mother as a nursemaid. So in those instances, the Bible really does elevate the sibling bond and connection. It really has a purpose of saying our our blood relations are important. Actually, I was on water myself when this revelation really hit home for me. We were both staff at summer camp, what's now Mountain View Summer Camp, and a part of the training week for the staff, the orientation at the time was to take us on a white water rafting excursion, you know, to build teamwork. And there we were in the Fraser Canyon. And if you've never been, it's stunning. Like the rock walls just rise up on either side of you. And, you know, there's trees overhanging and the water's pretty gnarly. And everyone was like so pumped and jazzed for the experience. And I get put in a raft with Ruby and she's in front of me. And from that moment on, I could not enjoy a single moment of the adventure. All that I was thinking with every bump, with every splash was, is she within arm's reach? I cannot let her go overboard. I cannot let her die. I cannot let her drown. And so my entire, it was like a blip, but all I was hyper-focused on never having these feelings before. Uh, Instead of, it was shocked because typically it was a bit more animosity, but here I felt this deep, like internal instinct to protect and preserve the life of my sister. Uh, I don't know if you, the feelings were not mutual though, because I mean, I was sitting in front of her, right at the front of the boat. I was in the adventure and the excitement of it all. I had no idea that somebody behind me was so stressed out about my safety, but 
I guess that was one of those moments that we did not have the mind, did you know, connection. I was the yes. environmental circumstances overriding our uh, mental connection there. Well, there is another piece of wisdom found in Proverbs that says there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother or sister or or sibling for that matter. Um, uh, those of you who have gotten married may notice that you know your alignment with your spouse sometimes will trump that over your parents or your extended family. The Bible commands couples to leave and cleave. Um, and then I remember our my first Christmas after getting married, which was we had an October wedding, and so Christmas came a few months later. And that first Christmas being married, it was hard to navigate all the expectations and invitations from siblings on both sides. I had to choose between my sister and my sister-in-law, and it felt really stressful trying to accommodate them both or choose between them. So one option I came up with was just disappoint them both and go to my best friend's house for Christmas dinner instead from then on. You know, looking more at that phrase, blood is thicker than water, I came across another theory on the origins of this this um, phraseology, which originates in the German language, but some historian has suggested that blood is thicker than water is actually shortened from an older phrase called the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. So that kind of like flips it on its head. Instead of saying the blood bonds of family ties are thicker than the relationships of water that come and go, this one's actually affirming that the the blood of a covenant, which is the pact, the promise of commitment, is going to hold tighter, is going to grip our hearts and move us more than the water of the womb. So that was kind of led me to reevaluate this blood and water debate. Yeah, so we could look deeper at some of the stories of twins in the Bible to see if there's any clue there, if our experience is unique or if there's a pattern. One of the most well-known stories of twins in the Bible is that of Jacob and Esau, the homebody and the hunter. In fact, uh, we read in Genesis 25, 23, God even told their mother, Rebecca, there are two nations in your womb and one will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. And as it came to pass, the second born smooth talker tricks the firstborn out of their birthright for a bowl of soup. Perhaps Jacob was the original evil twin. Perhaps. Also in the book of Genesis, uh, we find the story of another set of twins. And this one you're likely unfamiliar with because they don't show up in any children's Bible stories and they're not often featured in sermons. I think it's because their backstory is a little a little dicey. Um, they're known as Peretz and Zerah. Do you want to summarize the story? Sure. These two twins were born to Judah and Tamar. Uh, like she said, it's an interesting story, but we won't go through it line by line here. Uh, Judah was destined to be a tribe of kings, 
So there was a lot of privilege and responsibility weighing down on the firstborn in his lineage. Uh, it was a lot of, it was a great importance where that inheritance would lie. But during childbirth, um, something very unusual happened. There was a tiny fist that emerged and the midwife tied a scarlet thread around that wrist. Then the wrist disappears and out comes a different baby. The brother who barged past the other one and this line jumper they named Peretz, which means breach or breakthrough. The one with the scarlet cord around his wrist, who had somewhat emerged first, was called Zareth, which means dawn or rising. And what's really interesting about this story is that the gospel is found in the core of their birth story and in their names. Are you a fan of The Crown? No, I haven't seen it, but I love Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. They were in town recently, ice skating just a few blocks from this church. Uh, well, even people today are very enamored with royal bloodlines, right? The birth order, the number in line to the throne, um, the idea of who will claim the succession title. You know, it's because this world still promotes hierarchy and it reveres the firstborn. But it's interesting that in this case, God kind of muddies the waters of who is the firstborn, and he chooses Perez, the boy of the breach, this child of breakthrough, to be his ultimate ancestor and the ancestor of King David, a royal line. He calls forward one who we would never choose. And this is a recurring theme in scripture. He chooses the younger. He chooses the smaller. He chooses the weaker. And they triumph because God breaks through on their behalf. Mm -hmm. It's quite common uh, in cultures and society still holds to that tradition that it's the eldest born, especially the eldest born boy, who will receive the greatest honor and inheritance from the family. But while we tend to judge uh, and assess each other based on kind of status in society, God fortunately looks at the heart and he finds friendship in those who are faithful and demonstrate his love for them. So right from the beginning, it was uh, Cain and Abel, but Abel pleased God with his sacrifices. Isaac was born first, but it was Ishmael who had the greater blessing and was chosen to be the other way around. Yeah. Ishmael was born first. Ishmael was born first, and Isaac was the one, the second born, who received God's blessing. But again, muddy waters, because is it firstborn? It wasn't firstborn with his betrothed wife. It was through a bit. Yeah, so muddied waters there. I think this demonstrates God's divine plan and the ways that he works uh, mysteriously, that it's his covenant of love that really directs our identity. It's the blood of God's covenant that is thicker than any water of the womb. God promised a Savior who would sacrifice his life for our sake, for our redemption and our eternity. And when Jesus holds the cup of wine at the final Passover meal, he clearly states it represents the blood of a new covenant poured out this is a till death do us part kind of love. 
so beautiful. Well, you want to know something else kind of special about Perez and Zara? Mm-hmm. In Matthew's gospel, you know, he's known to begin his story, the story of Jesus, with this long genealogy. And he starts to recount how Jesus is a descendant of David and ultimately this descendant of Abraham. And he's showing the family line. And it's important because so many prophecies point to the fact that the Messiah would come from the line of David. So he starts with Abraham, Abraham being you know, the father of Isaac, Isaac being the father of Jacob, Jacob being the father of Judah and the 12 tribes of Israel, and Judah being the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother is Tamar. Now, this is the only time in genealogies and scripture that a non-relative is named You know, they kind of acknowledge there were 12 other brothers, but this is the only time a non-relative is named, even though we just read that, uh, you know, Isaac has Jacob. We don't hear mention of Esau, but in this case, we see that Jesus' lineage, his heritage is connected to both Perez and Zerah. Part of me wonders if it's because they were identical twins and clearly Jacob and Esau were not. But Jesus is a descendant of Perez because Jesus is the one ultimately who's going to break through like his granddad eight generations earlier. Jesus breaks through the divine and mortal barrier. He breaches the walls of the tomb, not only the womb, and he bursts forth victorious, defeating sin's curse. It's amazing to me, though, that his other twin ancestor gets a shout out here. And I think it's because Jesus is also part Zerah. He is part of this morning star. He is part of a sign that hope is rising with the dawn. I mean, how incredible is that? Scripture is just so layered and rich. This points me to the one that I am compelled to love and worship. So in review, when we look at the debate, whether the bonds of blood are thicker than water, I think it's key to look at what Jesus said. There's an interesting story recalled in Matthew 12 about Jesus talking with a group of of followers when a messenger runs in and interrupts him saying, Jesus, Jesus, your, your mother and your brothers, they're here to see you. They're waiting to speak with you. And Jesus answers with a question. Well, who is my mother and who are my brothers? It's not that he forgot. He points to his disciples and says, here they are. You are my kin. You are the ones who are true and loyal to me and to my father in heaven and doing his will. Yeah, when Jesus was described um, as a friend of sinners in Matthew eleven nineteen, and when it says the Lord called his disciples friends in Luke twelve four, And then later when James talks about Abraham in the terms of being a friend of God, in all these instances that root word phileo or philea is used. This is really, I think, the bottom line that the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. We are called, we are loved first by God as family. And we are called to do the same, is to love one another as family. 
So our commission to you today is go and phileo well. Thank you for listening to OAC Vancouver's podcast. Learn more at oacvancouver.ca. If you're in Vancouver, join us for worship Saturdays at 11 a.m. at 5350 Bailey Street. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. God bless you and have a wonderful day.